Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Happy with Thursday morning. I'm on very little sleep, and I don't know where Rohan is. I'm sure he'll show up very soon. You know, he's a young guy. You know what I'm saying? He's probably doing his thing, but I'm sure he'll show up very soon. Lucy Rohan's on every Thursday. I'm sure he'll pop in here in just a second. Dude, I was up so late last night working, and then I woke up back early. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm getting old, but I wake up early as hell every single day. I don't know what it is, but anyways, I'm on very little sleep, so bear with me. No row. Ryan with very little sleep, but we're going to pull this off. There's actually a lot of things uh, that I want to talk about. We're going to preview this Vikings game, so let me run this intro back in 25 seconds. You're down, you're down, right, down, to down, the right, down, right, 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 Yes, that beat will wake me up. That beat right there is going to wake me up. Plus, I got, uh, I got a coffee. Maybe I killed it. I got some water. Got to drink water every morning. That's good for you. And I got a Red Bull, which is not good for you. But hey, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. I don't even drink alcohol at all. Like barely at all. Like maybe what four or five, six times a year. So my one vice is energy drinks. I know it's horrible. I got to quit it. But that's hey, you, everyone's got to have something, right? Everyone's got to have something. Let me tap in and we'll see what's going on with you guys. What is going on? Ryan and Niners Nation says Nick Knife 21. What's happening, my man? What's going on? Red Jet Shell says, good morning. Let's go, Niners. Good morning, Red Jet. Nice to have you here. Johnny Chisari says, Ryan, good morning. Smash that like button and subscribe, please. Like Johnny says here, if you haven't uh, hit that like button yet, you're snoozing a little bit. And if you're not subscribed, I don't know what we're doing here. Hey, we're we're growing pretty quickly here. Uh, very fortunate, very grateful, uh, very appreciative of all the support. I think we're at 5,700 and some change. Almost at that 6,000 mark. When I get to 6,000, I'll give away. I think last time I got to 5,000, I gave away $100. So we'll do something like that. Maybe a jersey. I was a little salty last time. When I hit 5K, I was a little salty. Didn't want to spend money on this Niners organization. I was annoyed with them. I forget what it was for at the time. Maybe it was for the Trey Lance debacle, if I'm being honest. But I'm feeling good about the Niners again. So if you guys want a jersey, I'll buy you a jersey when we hit that 6K mark. One guy, not not all of you guys. That's a lot of jerseys. 6,000 jerseys would be quite hefty of a bill. Not going to do that. But I'm going to give one person a jersey or give away 100 bucks, something like that. So stay tuned. Like if you're not subscribed yet, please subscribe. You could win the jersey. And plus, I just really appreciate the freaking support. Red Jet Sales says Team 7997. Maybe you guys don't realize it, but Red Jet and I both were born in 79, graduated high school in 97. Hopefully, I live to be 79 or a 97. I might live to be 97, and we keep all the numbers congruent. Congruent. Is that the correct word? I don't know. I've literally slept like two, two and a half hours, so hang in there with me. Johnny says, Ryan, it occurred to me what to do at the deadline. Go get me King Henry. Hmm. I mean, it'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be nice. I don't know, man. I'm really looking for that tight end, too, man. Like, as long as CMC's healthy, we got Jordan Mason. We're good on running backs. Of course, King Henry's amazing. But with those two guys, I'm really good on running backs. The 49ers recognize the need for a tight end, too. That's why they drafted two of them. Neither one of them really worked out for whatever reason this year. So maybe a tight end, too, is something they get. I mean, think about how good the 49ers were when they had Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker. I would love to see the 49ers pull off something like that. Really? Uh, Niner Gang says, what's good, Ryan? Everything's good, man. Everything is good, except for my uh, sleep level right now. Johnny Cernan says, Niners need a corner at the trade deadline. I hope Lynch makes it happen. Yeah, corner for sure. Corner tied into, I would like to see them get those two positions. I think, uh, obviously, corner is probably the most glaring need. And, you know, knock on wood, those guys always have something going on. They're 
they're very uh what's the word high maintenance athletes because they're such great athletes they tend to get like little nicks and and injuries and things like that hopefully again knock on wood that doesn't happen this year but either way even if they don't they still could use a better nickel corner at least uh albert soda says good morning from start uh of start off with that positive energy yes sir let's do that man let's do that i'm gonna actually direct your attention to the positive vibes this morning get your credit straight and for some of you might like this isn't positive because my credit's not straight but it is positive you guys need to realize and understand how important credit is for you i made a video on my other channel you can go subscribe to that channel it's called you should do this watch the tips i gave you on credit very important also blue water credit is a sponsor of the channel the link is in the description if you go to blue water credit um click on the link go to their website tell them ryan g hensley sent you what they'll do is they'll run your credit and they will basically give you a free evaluation doesn't cost you anything they'll tell you what they can do for you what score they can get you up to how much is going to cost all that stuff credit is so important you guys it opens up so many doors it's kind of weird in this country the way credit works i don't know if you guys know but credit score rankings the way that they do it in the united states is not very common uh, in other countries we're kind of the only country that does it this way and in this country if you don't have good credit you're going to pay more for money which is kind of tough because most of the people that don't have good credit um it's because they don't have a lot of money and therefore when they go to buy money now that they have bad credit they're spending more for that money and so it's like really hard to get out that hole credit is so damn important i wish somebody broke it down to me the way I did in that video um, on my other channel, when I was a young man, I messed my credit up horribly. And it took me to my late 20s, early 30s to fix it. And when you have great credit, you get so many, your opportunities are so much better. Like you're going to get lower interest rates. You're going to be able to buy cars. Right? Like Some of you guys, like let's be honest, let's keep it a buck. Some of you guys are out there paying hella money per month for not that great car, right? If you had good credit, you could go get a dope-ass car on a lease and pay less than you're paying right now for your whatever, right? I, you know, and I, and I don't want you to feel bad, but I want you to feel motivated. I want you to understand how important it is to get your credit right. Outside of money, outside of money itself, credit is going to be the second best, most important thing for your finances. You have to have good credit in this country. Focus on it. Don't avoid it. Don't run away from it. Hit it head on. Don't be embarrassed. Hit up Blue Water Credit. They're not going to tell me anything about your credit score, so you don't have to worry about that. But hit up Blue Water Credit. At least do the free evaluation. See what they can do for you. Make sure you tell them Ryan G. Hensley sent you, and they'll give you that free evaluation, and they'll let you know where you stand, what they can do, and all that good stuff. Extremely important. That's the positive vibe this morning. Don't look at it like a negative. I'm trying to help my people get their finances straight. And so hit up Blue Water Credit. Look, man, Rose is not, not showing up so far. So here's probably what I'm going to do, though. Uh, I'm going to go through some of these topics I had by myself. And then I'll open up the, the phone lines for you guys if you guys want to uh, hit me up. But I want to get in some of these comments real quick. My vice is sweet. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, actually, my wife's the same way. Um, but for whatever reason, she can't gain a damn pound. I'm a little jealous. I don't like sweets that much to be honest with you i don't need a lot of sweets um but if i have like one piece of cake i gain like 30 pounds she however can eat a, a whole cake every night if she wanted to and not gain a pound not really fair uh not really fair at all what up says gtc's man nice to see you brother uh let's see paris bell says good morning ryan man and uh heading to yuba to push this solar let's go niners right on paris man do the damn thing headed to yuba not too far away Paris, you should hit me up, bro. Um, I mean, maybe you're in a better situation than what I can offer, but I sell solar as well. And, <clears throat> you know, at least at least see what I'm offering, compare it. Hey, maybe I want to see what you're offering. Maybe you can hook me up, brother. So, yeah, it's good, it's good to know that you do solar. For those that don't know, I sell uh, real estate. I'm a mortgage lender, and I also have a solar business. It seems like Paris is a, a solar man himself. So, congrats to you, Paris. Um, good luck today, brother. Uh, Reggie says, one loss never stops to focus. Amen to that. Melvin says, position is easy. Who's the names, though? I don't know who you guys are talking about. You and Johnny always be chopping it up, and I get lost in the sauce. Uh, all right, cool. 
Melvin says credit has ruined this country. That is true. That is true. You guys got to get it. Get it done. Regis says debt collectors was calling like we were BFFs oh, back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Rohan hit me with a text. Let's see what Rohan's talking about. Maybe Rohan is going to drop in. I dig his analyzation uh, on Thursday mornings, man. The guy is tapped in. Let me see what he's talking about. He's going to be there in two seconds. The last minute emergency pushed him back. Dang. Sorry to hear that. Hopefully all is well. He's going to be, Rohan's going to be popping in, man. That's good news. Good news. Steve says cash only. You know, man, one of the biggest achievements I did for my family is uh, my wife always wanted a Mercedes Benz. I've always bought cars cash, uh, pretty much. I think I bought one or two cars in my life on credit. I usually buy them with cash, which is not always the best thing to do. Honestly, sometimes you want to leverage cash uh, in other ways. But I like to keep my bills very low. That's a big focus on me. I like to, I like to have capital, right? Like I could have gone out and got a big-ass house. Um, but I just kind of stayed put for for right now with where I'm at in our personal residence. We're going to be buying a house here uh, after the kids graduate high school in a, a two or three years. But, I, you know, I just wanted to keep the mortgage low. Um, and then with my car, man, that was the best thing I ever did. Like, great feeling. Wife's always wanted a Mercedes Benz. Uh, I could care less. I would have got something much cheaper, but she wanted it. Went in there with cash, bought her a Mercedes Benz, man. Uh, it was like a year old at the time. Uh, so she got that no car payment, which is nice, but I hate car payments, man. Like they, uh, I don't like, I like, I'm, I'm like a super anal when it comes to my monthly expenses. I like to keep them super low. That way I can take my money and go do things, travel to Hawaii or go to New York or do whatever I want. Travel is how I like to spend my money, um, you know, outside of investments and things like that. Um, travel. I never regretted spending money on travel. Uh, I really like going to New York, going to Hawaii uh, twice. We took the whole family. Just amazing, man. Amazing experiences. I never, ever regret spending money on travel. All right. So let's do this. Uh, I'm going to talk about recaps, concerns after the Browns game. And then I'm sure Vish, or excuse me, I don't know why I call him Vish. Rohan will be popping in here in just a minute. He'll give us, us his concerns. Um, but the biggest concern um, after the Browns game, kind of twofolds. Uh, really, it's the dependence on CMC and his health and how Kyle Shanahan is going to manage CMC moving forward. I'm hoping that he mixes in Jordan Mason uh, a lot more because you saw what happened to the 49ers offense when they lost CMC. Now, I think that's a cop out. I don't think that's something uh, that should be the case because I think the 49ers have a lot of really good weapons that they should be utilizing a lot more. I think they're too CMC dependent. Uh, and they need to break that habit. So this injury to CMC, even though it sounds like it's just pain tolerance, he could be back Monday. It, it could be a blessing in disguise if Kyle gets smarter here and and holds CMC out. You don't want a player playing through pain in week seven against the Minnesota Vikings when you have all of these weapons. You can beat uh, the Minnesota Vikings without CMC. You should not be dependent on CMC to beat the Minnesota Vikings. All right, let's really dive into it because my man Rohan is backstage. Let's do the thing. What's up, Ro? Hey, man, I apologize for the no. delay. The last minute. Don't apologize. But, um, yeah, we're here. I mean, the Vikings, you know, we got a, we got a fun Monday night matchup, and we're going to yeah. dive into this one. Don't apologize, brother. Life happens, man. No worries. Um, I was talking – before we get into the Vikings, that's really what we do on Thursdays is, is – Let's talk about the next week. It's kind of nice how it broke down. I do a show on Monday and Tuesday. I do a show on Thursday and Friday. The Monday and Tuesday is kind of the recap. Thursday and Friday is kind of the preview. But I did want to touch on the Browns a little bit just in the beginning of this uh, live stream today with you, Ro. Um, yeah. Do you have any concerns about the 49ers after the Browns game? Yes and no. So the concerns – it would be wrong not to identify what went wrong in that game. But there is also a part where you do give them the benefit of the doubt in certain areas, understanding where the 49ers were in the past. And so what do I mean by that? First, you talk about the quarterback play. The quarterback play was not good against the Browns. There were a lot of mistakes, and a lot of mistakes were based on the quarterback. Now, the quarterback has also played very well overall. And um, I would say, the, yeah, the quarterback play would, uh, you know, it, it was pretty, pretty 
good the first four weeks, especially the weeks heading into this game. You know, you you talk about those two the two games heading into this one. I thought that was arguably Brock Purdy's best play overall. Then you point to this one. Not only did he get pressure a lot, but in clean pockets was not that great. And so I you you do have cause for concern there because the number one thing when you came to Brock Purdy coming into the offseason that a lot of or coming into the season that a lot of us were saying is it's not that Brock Purdy can't play well against regular teams. How well will he play against the elite upper echelon defenses? Because that's who you're gonna face in the playoffs and tr- when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. And this was Brock Purdy's biggest test, and obviously wasn't the best sign. Now you give him the benefit of the doubt because he's played well in the nine starts and especially the last five, six starts that he's played this season, he's played very well. And so that's where you give him the benefit of the doubt. However, you now have to kind of keep that in the back of your mind as you go forward. Same with issues like the run defense. I didn't think the run defense was horrible. I thought though that, you know, they left stuff on the board specifically with a couple of missed tackles here and there. And again, it's only a few plays overall, but a few plays change the entire direction of the game. You don't panic, but you you keep that in the back of your mind. I think you can say that with you know a couple of different different elements. The one though that I will say that I am concerned, and again I, I still will give a little bit benefit of the doubt, but it's one where you can't give as much. That's kicker because kicker, you know how confidence can vary and sway you know, uh, from, from game to game and things like that. And kicker is a position where you can't allow yourself to continue to allow or try and develop a player. You need win now results from your kicker because right now, I mean, if we're being honest, the kicking costed them a game, the kicking, and it's not, that's not the only factor, but you could have won that game. If your kicker makes a 41 yard field goal, that's the position where I think you can have some worry because you can't afford to lose games if your kicker is missing field goals that he should hit. Yes, sir, man. Uh, yeah, kicking is probably the biggest concern for me after this last game. Um, be honest. Uh, Moody, who knows, man? Maybe he'll bounce back and he'll be fine. Uh, I do want to get your take on Brock in a little bit more uh, depth. I mean, Brock obviously had the worst game of his career. It was against the best defense in the NFL against the pass. Uh, so that does have to be taken into consideration. But I've watched the Browns 49ers game three times now. And a lot of the the misfires from Brock Purdy were just that. They were just inaccurate throws. It's, it's not like a fantastic, like, you know, all, the interception, for example, it, that wasn't like some tremendous defensive play. He just threw it right to the defender's chest. You know, I, I understand that they're really good defense, and I'm sure he's going to bounce back. But it was an odd performance for Brock Purdy, un, un-Brock Purdy-like. What did you see from Brock Purdy, and are you concerned about him moving forward? Why do you think he has such a bad game? Yeah, I mean, you're right. And that's why, you know, when I point out concerns coming out of this game, while you give the benefit of the doubt, the concern was definitely there because it was not the best game for Brock Purdy, and it was because of – Things like that. You know, when you're watching the first time, you you have an idea of how Brock Purdy played. But you know how people say the film gets a little better uh, on bad games. The film got worse. I mean, Brock Purdy played, you know, worse than I initially thought. And I thought he played bad, too. And Mm -hmm. the reason is because when you go back and you look, you see the amount of you see the number of throws that he missed that he should have just fought out hit. I mean, it's throws that were behind defenders. It's timing issues where he throws it maybe, um, you know, in the wrong window, not waiting for a receiver to get open in a clean pocket or, you know, throwing it, throwing it with poor timing as well on the route. And you you talk about the interception. He just flat out throws it behind Brandon Ayuk into the chest of Martin Emerson. There are a couple of throws like that. A couple of throws where placement wasn't there. And the reason that we had never really dove into this topic is because Brock Purdy has been, that's, been Brock Purdy's bread and butter. He's been able to put it on the money, you know, have good timing and put it accurately. And there were times where he was pressured. I think if you look at it statistically, 45% of his but he was yeah. eight of 15 on clean pockets. He was eight of 15 and the interception was on a clean pocket too. You know, there were a lot of misses where he should, he should not have missed the ones. And I mean, you talk about some overthrows as well. Christian McCaffrey wide open down, you know, uh, uh, 
down uh, running down the sideline. That could have been a touchdown. You talk about a couple of different ones where you, you're hoping you have that back. The issue wasn't that it was just one or two of these mistakes. The issue is that they compounded one over another, and that many mistakes leads the 49ers to a two-point loss. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they should have easily won by – I mean, we blame Jake Moody, and I understand it, um, but Brock Purdy could have can, took full control of this game had he hit CMC, had he not thrown uh, so inaccurately on all these passes – you know, not just the turnover. He was pretty inaccurate, like you said, 8 of 15 in a clean pocket. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It, it was weird because I, I understand it was raining a little bit, right? right? I think it was second quarter was raining. Uh, it wasn't like some heavy downpour, it, but it was raining in second quarter. But uh, NFL quarterbacks have to be able to handle that one quarter of rain. He, he was inaccurate before before that rain started coming down he was inaccurate after it stopped in the second half it actually got worse in the second half a lot of people are like yeah but he drove he drove the team down they put him in the field goal position well he actually he got kind of lucky on that Jawan jennings holding call because that was an inaccurate pass even if he wasn't held it, it wasn't going to hit uh, Jawan jennings uh and then you know everyone's criticizing brandon Ayuk, but if you go back, watch that play that got him in the field goal position, it was a four-yard out route, like four yards past the line of scrimmage to Brandon Ayuk, and he took it and made it a 30-yard reception. Brandon yeah. Ayuk took that ball into field goal position. You know, everyone's critical of Brandon Ayuk because he did have a horrible drop and then two passes that could have been catched. They would have been great catches. But Brandon Ayuk's the one that took that four-yard pass and turned it into 30 yards and put the 49ers in the field goal position. And on that first drive, that was all CMC. You know, it was a shovel touchdown pass. You know, so some people are like, oh, he was great on the first drive and he was great on the last one. But I don't think they're looking at it deep enough. He really wasn't He really wasn't responsible for anything great in that game at all. Um, he did have that one really nice pass to Brandon Ayuk that was dropped. Um, but, again, he missed the one to CMC. That could have been seven points. He turned the ball over. He threw three interceptable passes that game. It was not a Brock Purdy-like game. And I understand they have a good defense, but some of it was just straight inaccuracy. And, and it's not something that we've come accustomed to seeing from Brock Purdy. So I'm just no. very curious why, what happened. And I, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I don't, I honestly didn't think the rain played that big of a factor, but I will point something out. The one thing that uh, one thing teams have a concern about that a lot of fans kind of brush away. It's something that, you know, plays a factor here and that's hand size. Brock Purdy came into the NFL with nine, nine and a quarter inch or nine and a quarter inch hands. That is in the 24th percentile. 76% of NFL quarterbacks have hand sizes bigger than that because mm. I mean, usually it also attributes or it, it's correlated with your, your height and Brock Purdy isn't the tallest quarterback. He's probably around six foot, somewhere between six foot and six one. I mean, the yeah. guy who we always talked about hand size with in that class was Kenny Pickett. So Brock Purdy was not the lowest in this class because Kenny Pickett had abominably ha uh, like small, small hands. And the issue is, in these games, are you able to grip the football in bad weather games? And this wasn't a bad weather game, right? And Brock Purdy also plays in San Francisco, where you won't get many snow games. You won't get many of those type of games. So it's not as big of a deal. But, I mean, that's another factor that you can keep in the back of your mind for a performance like this. But, again... Mike Melvin says guys have bad games sometimes. We've seen some pretty poor games. We even saw some poor games this week. I thought Justin Herbert played terrible. And this is a guy coming from uh, – this is coming from me, who I believe Justin Herbert's a top three to five quarterback in the NFL. I thought he played terrible this week. We even saw – I mean, we, we've seen some bad performances this year from Josh Allen, from Patrick Mahomes. We see him from all of them. And I'm not going to equate Brock Purdy to one of these guys just yet. But overall, what I mean is you'll see bad games from quarterbacks. The importance is how they bounce back and the overall body of work. We haven't seen the bad one from Brock Purdy yet, which is why the reaction is as strong as it is right now or right. the defense is as strong as it is right now. I think that's why I'm saying you do give him the benefit of the doubt here. But the point of the matter is when you look at how Brock Purdy played in this one, it, it's hard to truly identify the reason he was missing throws that he always hits because it's just he was inaccurate in this one. And inaccurate by a wide margin 
on throws that usually it's just like this. It's just on the money, bread and butter. You don't usually worry about those. And it's not like, I mean, they are some difficult throws, but it's not like, you know, these throws aren't without separation. It's just yeah. you're leading your receiver, and you if you hit him, it's it's a completion, and it's a good one. Yeah, what's up to my boy Melvin, one of my good friends? He says guys do have bad games sometimes. He knows about that because he's a Cowboys fan, and he you know he watches Dak Prescott week in, week out. Shout out to Melvin, man. Love you, buddy. That's my guy. Um, but, yeah, no, you know what's weird is I didn't think of nine and a quarter as small hands. I didn't realize what the percentile was. I remember people saying that his hands were bigger than Trey Lance's. That means Trey Lance has some small-ass hands for how big he is. If Brock Purdy's are bigger and he's only in the, what would you say, 25th percentile? Yeah, that's that's, that's wild. Yeah, it's a, that, that's crazy. I didn't know that. I, I, I thought Brock might have had big hands because they were bigger than Trey's, who's like 6'5", or whatever he is. Uh, interesting. Ray Lance is actually in the 21st percentile, nine and one eighth inch hands. So, yeah, Damn. and that that's Damn. pretty that's pretty interesting because Trey Lance is much bigger than Brock Purdy. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, anyways, maybe what your hand, what your hand size look like? I got some pretty big hands, dude. They're like paws, they're like mittens. I got fairly big ones. Okay, I think I don't know. I think I got you beat though, bro. I'm gonna be honest. I think I got you beat. They're hella. We're I guess do a like, hand measuring contest now. See yeah, man. which which content creator is the best quarterback. We're gonna do a hand measuring contest, dude. Something about my hands, my and, you know, my wife likes to have big hands, but my hands look like polar bear mitts, dude. They're hella fat. It looks like I weigh three hundred pounds. If you just look at my hands, I don't know why. I got a fat man's hands. Maybe everything. My hands I eat are just, just long and skinny because I'm tall. <laughs> this is a great conversation. This is this is the the football conversation that people are looking for. Yeah. All right, man. So in regards to Brock Purdy, uh, the good news for Brock Purdy, and I expect him to make a comeback because that was uncharacteristic. And, you know, one thing before I move on, one thing that I was wondering about this game is you saw how negative Kyle was or like how respectful Kyle was of the Cleveland Browns. I'm just wondering maybe that got in Brock Purdy's head because Kyle was talking about it all week, like how good the Browns defense are uh, and, and how he expects us to struggle. And I'm wondering – like Brock Purdy came into that game thinking this is going to suck. These guys are really good. Like typically you see a lot more confidence and I'm just wondering if that played a factor because I can't really explain it any other way. Um, but as far as Brock Purdy coming up this coming week, the Minnesota Vikings defense is 18th against the run, 17th against the pass, and they are 21st in uh, scoring, allowing 22.5 points per game. So this is a vast stark difference from the Cleveland Browns. Now, one thing that they do need to watch out for um, is uh, Danielle Hunter or Daniel Hunter. I don't know how you pronounce it. Spelled like Danielle. I don't know if that's how you say it. I don't know, but it's, I think it's, it's Daniel, but I'm not sure. Daniel. Okay. Daniel Hunter. Uh, he leads the NFL tied with TJ Watt with eight sacks right now. Um, but in general, their defense is not very good. Um, but, but Hunter is, is somebody that they got to look out for. How do you see Brock Purdy performing in this game or just the 49ers in general against this Vikings defense? Let's talk about it in that way first. Yeah, I mean, characteristically, when you talk about the Minnesota Vikings, the number one thing that we've seen over the last few years is a pretty poor run defense. I think a lot of teams have tried to exploit that. That's not exactly the case this year. The Minnesota Vikings are only allowing 3.7 yards per carry. They allow a lot of yards, 112 yards, which means teams usually try and probably, you know, go go uh go right like run the ball at a high clip, a lot of attempts and things like like that against them, which makes sense cuz they're also a high profile offense or so more plays overall. But I, I think that this year's Minnesota Vikings defense is not as bad as it's been in the past. And, I mean, I, as funny as it sounds, I think the numbers back that up in terms of DVOA. Their DVOA defensively is better this year than last year, and they're much worse record-wise because, you know, they've evened out. They're, they're, they're around the mean in terms of the amount of one-score games and things like that that they're winning. And so I do think this game, uh, this game is, and this team really is interesting. When you look at the Minnesota Vikings um, overall, uh, defensively, I think that I mean, Daniel Hunter is a big guy. He's a guy who you obviously have to watch for, and he's the guy who you know, he's he's a guy who you definitely have to pay attention to. I think they also got a new defensive coordinator in Brian Flores. He likes to one thing that I've read is he likes to dial the pressure up. Um, you might see a lot of cover zero, 
Um, the Minnesota Vikings like to play cover zero. And that's interesting. They call it, I believe, 20% of the time on third down. What does that mean? They are going to go man all across the board, and they are going to send everybody else 20% of the time on third down. That I mean, that that's, that's uh, ridiculous because the league average is at 6%. But you're going to see these guys try and blitz to try and get Brock Purdy uncomfortable. And we saw Brock Purdy uncomfortable with the blitz this week. We hadn't usually seen it as to as on, at such a high clip in the past, but I also think that this team is a little different, and that they'll allow the 49ers to do what they usually do, and try and get the ball out quick and things like that. Because the one thing is, you don't know how good their coverage is. They got Byron Murphy out there, um, but apart from him, it's a lot of young players, a young unproven players. They got a Caleb Evans, I believe, starting. I know you've got the uh, you know Andrew Booth, their last year first round pick, but I don't think he's starting right now. They got Makai Blackman, their third round pick this year, who saw some action earlier. You, you, you have a bunch of different guys. I mean, Harrison Smith obviously is solid safety, but I do think their coverage unit isn't as good, obviously, as uh, as the number one, which was the Cleveland Browns. The number one thing though, you got to look for Daniel Hunter for sure. I think that he's a uh, going to be a guy to watch on that defensive line. We'll see if they try and move him to that right side, you know, uh, have him working against Colton McKivitz because that's probably the best matchup they can highlight, or even Trent, an injured Trent. But we'll see how they end up going. And uh, I think this team has improved. I do think that Minnesota has improved defensively, but they're still middle of the pack defensively. Yeah, I think they have a good defensive play caller, uh, more so than their talent itself. You know, they don't have a ton of talent, but I think their play caller, I forget his, it slips my mind right now, but I, I think he's a pretty good defensive play caller. Um, so that does help. You're talking them. about Brian Flores? Yes, yes, right, exactly. I think he does a good job. I think with what he has, I think, uh, I don't think they're very talented defensively, but I think they're, uh, have been doing an okay job considering. Um, real quick, Paris says, I bet you dropped fools, Ryan. I used to back in my day, man. I haven't been in a fight since I was 28. I, it was the last fight I've been in. It was uh, bad. <clears throat> I felt horrible. I haven't done it since. I'm a grown-ass man now. I can't defend myself, though, but back in my day, ask Melvin. Melvin seen me in a few scuffles in my lifetime. Um, all right, let's uh, flip it to the other side, man. Um, the Minnesota Vikings are 12th in offense for total yards. Third in passing with 263 per game. 30th in rushing, though. They don't run the ball for shiz. And 17th in scoring. So their offense, kind of a mixed bag. Like, they will get some yards in the passing games, but they struggle in the red zone a bit. Their rushing game is absent. Absolutely absent. Uh, yeah. What do you think about this Vikings offense? Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback they have faced so far this year. But they're going against the 49ers defense, which is uh, tremendous. How do you see that side of the ball playing out for the 49ers and Vikings? Yeah, it's one-dimensional. I mean, you, you pointed out the run game is absent. The one thing that they've also noticed is they turn the football over a lot, especially on in the first quarter. That's something that they've done consistently this year. A lot of fumbles in the run game. And, I mean, Kirk Cousins has thrown a few interceptions, but a lot of fumbles primarily. That's something that I'm interested to watch. Do the 49ers maybe install some more tactics in, in, in practice this week, like the peanut punch, you know, that we saw Fred Warner do a couple of weeks ago? Do they install some more tactics to try and get that ball loose? Because that was, uh, you know, something that Minnesota had struggled with early. But Minnesota is also without Justin Jefferson, and that doesn't bode well for a one-dimensional team like the Vikings, where you're pretty pass dominant and – um, even when they're trying to, you know, have good volume in the run game, it's not, it doesn't work. Um, Alexander Madison, you know, his yards per carry haven't been that great. He hasn't really been that explosive overall. Cam Akers hasn't seen too much of the field and they only put up 19 points against the Chicago bears last week. You know, at this point, I don't know how explosive the Vikings offense can be, especially without Jefferson. And I think this allows the 49ers to be a little more aggressive defensively. Trust your corners more against their receivers. You have Jordan Addison, you have uh, KJ Osborne and guys like that, but you trust your receivers more, um, or sorry, trust your cornerbacks more against their receivers. Maybe be a little more aggressive, dial up a little more pressure, or you force Kirk Cousins, you know, to try and get the ball out quick, and then you tackle well in space. Because it's going to be a lot of third and longs and, you know, long-distance situations, if they, especially if they can't get the run game going. 
Yeah, and one thing the 49ers tend to do really well is against a mobile quarterback. And Kirk Cousins is about is a mobile, not mobile, immobile as it comes. He's basically a statue out there. So, you know, one thing I got learned a lot of respect for Kirk Cousins after that quarterback show. He gets tore up, like dude gets lit up constantly. And part of the reason is because he's a statue back there, but he pops back up. Dude is tough. Um, before we continue this conversation, well, I want I don't want to forget. Uh, because this is important uh, for our positive subject. Cynthia says, don't be afraid to file bankruptcy if things are beyond repair. This is a fact, right? This is a very valuable tool. I left it off that video that I made about credit repair. But if you don't feel like you're going to be able to pay off your debt in the next year, two, three years, and it's just out of reach for you, bankruptcy is a super valuable tool that can help you get back on track within a year or so. Uh, hey, Donald Trump did it like, what, seven times? Abraham Lincoln did it like six times, like, you know, and not that I like Donald Trump. Don't get me twisted. I don't like that guy. But he did file bankruptcy, right? And he's uh, he has a ton of money. There are a ton of successful people throughout the history of this country that uh, have used bankruptcy in their favor. So don't look at it like it's a knock. And then real quick, Tavares says, none, name of your other YouTube page. It's in the details and description. It's called You Should Do This. So I just wanted to hit that before I completely uh, forgot about it. All right, back to this game, sir. Um, do you think CMC is going to play? If you had to bet money, do you see him playing this game? Uh, and if, if not, I what does that money, mean? I would say no. I would say he's out this week. Would not be surprised if he's out two weeks. Um, that's yeah, that's what I'm um, thinking. I don't think he plays. Okay, so what does that mean for the 49ers? Who's going to take his place? Is Debo playing? I, I think Debo might. I would say CMC is not going to. I think Debo might. I think Trent Williams will. Uh, those are kind mm-hmm. of the concerns. I think Greenlaw will. Um, so I think it's really to CMC that they'll be missing. That's my best guess. Um, would you agree with that? And if CMC is not playing, like you said, what does that mean for the 49ers offense? How would they approach this game? I think that that's a, you know, that's a fairly solid thought. Um, to me, CMC doesn't play based on what Kyle said Monday. I think they're going to roll with Elijah Mitchell. Um, I know a lot of people were hyped about Jordan Mason getting his opportunities in the last game without Mitchell there but I do think that they have a trust in Elijah Mitchell. I think that's who they're going to roll with as their top guy. They believe he can be a bell cow. I don't know if they're at that level with any of their other running backs yet. And so I think Elijah Mitchell is going to be the guy. Um, apart from that, you talk about Debo, you talk about Trent Williams. Trent Williams acknowledged he was in a lot of pain this last game. He mm-hmm. played because he, first of all, he played because he didn't want to put uh, Jalen Moore in that situation to have to, you know, play in spot duty. And he also, you know, he played pretty hurt. And I mean, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, he had a solid game. Trent Williams is still solid. Miles Garrett had a solid game against Trent Williams. Or if you see statistically, it was one of the biggest games of Trent Williams' career in terms of the amount of times that he was beaten. I think it was a 31% pressure rate. And I mean, again, that's not like exorbitantly high, but it just, it, it speaks to Trent Williams' nature, but also, that's something that you have to look at, especially if he goes up against a guy like Indian, sorry, Daniel Hunter. Um, but I'm expecting Jalen Moore to probably get the entire week of practice this week. Trent goes, he goes without practice. Um, just because Jalen Moore will get the full reps, full preparation if he has to play. But I wrote about this yesterday, and this is this all ties back to the 49ers' um, poor offseason decisions. I mean, I said coming into the season, even more than right tackle, even more than nickel, my biggest concern with this roster was the backup tackle depth. Why? Because Trent Williams didn't hasn't played a, a full season since 2013, I believe. He's missed at least one game since 2013 and every year and missed two, two, and three games in his three years with the 49ers. You can't afford to lose two or three games in a season more than you're expected to. Because if you do, guess what? That's, I mean... The difference, like we've said, Ryan, the difference between the one and the two seed, the difference between the two seed and the wild card is one or two games max. And so you lose out on your your chance for a first round bye, which obviously hurt you last year. You lose out on these different opportunities. And I think that that's important. And I think that that's why you got it. You got to shore up that position earlier. But obviously that's in the past. I would expect, um, you know, I would probably expect limited practice Debo Samuel probably goes um given he's been battling injuries he probably goes but it seemed like he heard it on that first play and then Trent Williams will be a maybe would not be surprised if Trent Williams did not play okay 
Uh, this is something interesting. The Gold Rush 561 brings up. I didn't know this Minnesota Blitz 57.9 per drop back. You know, they Brock, blitz a lot. They do. Yeah, Brock uh, faced the the Giants who, who blitzed him like 85% uh, throughout that game. So he's used to that. Uh, so I'm not too worried about it. Daniel Hunter is probably the biggest concern when it comes to, to the, the Vikings defense for me. Uh, but that's an interesting statistic. Thanks, brother. Um, besides that, Rohan, what are the biggest threats? Uh, what kind of threats do the Vikings pose for the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, if you look at – I'm, I'm specifically going to look at this last game for the Minnesota Vikings because they're without Justin Jefferson. I think that's more indicative of how their offense is. You see a slight alteration in regular playing with the Minnesota Vikings in their offense. I mean, we talked about the run game. The run game wasn't great still inefficient, even though they were facing the Chicago Bears. But Kirk Cousins, he's a guy who actually likes to hold on to the football pretty much. Um, his average for the season, including last week, is 2.87 seconds. Last week, he only threw he threw it in 2.74 seconds. It's a slight decrease, but overall, compared to the past, that's a pretty darn good decrease in the way that he threw the ball. In terms of his average, uh, what do you call it, intended air yards, Kirk Cousins is a guy who will push the ball downfield. You'll see him, you know, try and attempt some deeper passes and things like that. He didn't in this past game. He threw the ball quicker. He only threw it um, for 6.1 intended air yards per pass attempt, meaning he was every pass, the average distance was only six yards in comparison to his regular version of seven, eight yards. And so I think that that's another important thing. You're seeing him throwing shorter. You're seeing him throw it quicker. And you're seeing also receivers drop the ball more. They had four drops last week. I think that that's not a great formula for success for Minnesota because the 49ers have been able to defeat these teams pretty handedly. The ones that throw the ball short of the stakes, throw the ball quick because they're they're such a good tackling team. I think last week the way they got beat was primarily through the run game. And so Minnesota doesn't have that good of a run game, which makes this a battle primarily between the 49ers offense and the Vikings defense. Can San Francisco probably score more than 21 to 24 points? If they can, they're going to win this one because that's where I have the maximum of where Minnesota scores. And so to me, I think this is a game where you continue to get your run game activated. I think that you're going to try and see, you know, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason. You're going to see carries. I hope Kyle Shanahan doesn't abandon the run early. I think he you need to still have that balance, even without Christian McCaffrey, but probably more in a rotational role. The one difference that I want to see is how impactful is the running game in the receiving game this week? Because McCaffrey is very impactful, be it with decoys or be it more. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more opportunities for the running back because you're not going to see double coverage come towards the running back if it's not Christian McCaffrey on certain plays. It might be those one-on-one -on -one opportunities and things like that. So I wonder how much trust San Francisco has in the running backs or do they just drop them back and have them pass protect a lot and instead run those uh, four route or three route concepts instead. And so that's where I'm going to be looking to see, um, you know, Samuel's going to be playing hurt, which is going to be unfortunate, which might mean you, you rely on the other guys. But I do think the 49ers, they're going to try and get the passing game set up well. And maybe Kyle Shanahan tries and dials up some easy ones for Brock Purdy, you know, get him back in rhythm early, maybe be even aggressive, but, you know, aggressive and dial up the easy ones, get him back in rhythm and then move from there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, Big City Man also brings up another one. He says, as long as he got his weapons, Brock can beat the Blitz. Now, his best and favorite weapon in that situation is Christian McCaffrey. And if, if he doesn't play, that is going to be interesting. If he's facing a lot of pressure from the Blitz and he doesn't have that CMC dump off, uh, that's going to be interesting. I remember watching George Kittle during the offseason talking about how uh, the 49ers just gave CMC a bunch of choice routes, right? He would run everything on the weak side choice route. Uh, and he would just dump off to, to CMC. CMC. CMC would find the hole in the zone or uh, wherever he can get open, and, and Brock would just look for him if, if the main uh, routes were not open. Um, and not having CMC is going to be a good test for Brock. I mean, he does have a lot of critics who say that uh, he's a product of the system and he relies on Christian McCaffrey. He still hasn't lost a game with Christian McCaffrey, but he did lose one without him. Uh, last week so we'll see I mean it's a good opportunity for him to shut down that noise if he's able to pull it off against uh, you know the Vikings without CMC again though the Vikings defense is not very good overall I would expect Brock Purdy to have a much better game than he did uh, against the Browns um, let's we talked about the threats but give me the weaknesses I know we touched on a few of them but what are some of the weaknesses for these Vikings and how can the 49ers expose them 
Yeah, uh, I mean, number one weakness for them clearly is the run game offensively. I mean, it's it, it's been very inefficient. It's bottom five in the NFL in terms of efficiency. They're not being able to work it. Number two, clearly without Justin Jefferson, he's going to be on IR. And without a threat like him, you don't have that guy really that can move the chains that you got to, you know, respect and require attention. Because the 49ers, you know, they get beat on these big plays. That's primarily where their yardage that they kind of give up. It Sometimes on these big explosive plays, Amari Cooper had an amazing catch, um, you know, over Trevor's board in the passing game last week. Another one where Dion Lenore slips the line of scrimmage on a good move and Cooper gets another big catch. You know, it's big plays that kind of shift the outcome of the game. You can't really have as many without Justin Jefferson on the field. So I think that those are some yeah. weaknesses. The other thing I will say is I think that when you look at the Vikings and overall the way that their team is constructed, I just don't know if it's a good fit against the 49ers. I mean, the way that I, I said this, I believe, what was it, um, two weeks ago against the Dallas Cowboys, I thought that matchup was going to be solid. But offensively, I didn't think Dallas matched up well with the San Francisco defense. And I don't know if Minnesota matches up that well again with, um, you know, the 49ers offense. I think that when you look at it, their offensive line, that has been solid. You've got Christian Derrissaw, but I do think that that interior, guys like Ed Ingram, guys like Ezra Cleveland, they're going to try and attack the interior, which might be a little more stunts, um, you know, getting uh, pulling edges over across the middle and things like that. And I think that they're going to try and, you know, find a way to attack that portion of it. And then defensively, the one thing the 49ers have done when they've played the Vikings in the past that I don't believe is going to change is just misdirecting those linebackers. I think the linebacker game is where the 49ers are going to try and look to exploit, and I think that that is where they're going to try and win in the passing game, trying to attack those linebackers in different ways. Yeah, and you know, something about if you go through the games for the Minnesota Vikings, they have not gotten blown out. They're 2-4. and four. Uh, They lost to three points to the Buccaneers. Uh, not good, obviously. They lost by six points to the Eagles, only six points behind the Eagles. It was 28-34, um, and they lost to the Chargers by four points. Uh, they beat the Panthers by eight. Then they lost to the Chiefs by a touchdown. That's it. Um, and then they obviously just beat the Bears uh, by six points. But all their games are close. They're not out here getting their ass whooped. Um, and I think a, a lot of that is because of Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is one of the top at least 12 quarterbacks, if not 10 in the NFL, statistically he's towards the top, like three, four, five right now, statistically I'm not saying that that's mm -hmm. where he ranks, but I think 49er fans underrate him a little bit, but oh yeah, in, speaking on his week on the weaknesses of the Vikings, I think that's pretty much it right now for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, if, if Justin Jefferson was playing, it'd be a different ball game, but uh, if the 49ers can get to Kirk cousins, which I think they can, uh, I think it's going to be a long day for the Vikings. Um, I will say, though, that the Niners' defense, it has been uh, – their pass rush, I think, is a little bit undervalued, underappreciated because of the sack numbers, right? They're not they're not coming through the sack number. Nick Bosa is not coming through the typical sack numbers we see from Nick Bosa. But he's actually one of the highest defensive-rated uh, pass rushers in the NFL, according to – PFF or whatever that's worth. He's applying a lot of pressure and Kirk Cousins is very immobile. I have a feeling Nick Bosa is going to have a decent day against these Vikings. Also, I'm not sure I really trust the, the, the Vikings defense, similar to the Cowboys, honestly, to defend George Kittle. And George Kittle has been extremely, you know, who brought it up here? Germ. Uh, he says Kittle shows up to play once every five games. It seems like on primetime games, George Kittle shows up. Uh, I don't know what it is, man. Maybe he just likes to spotlight. Kind of seems like his personality, if I'm being real. But um, he hasn't shown up a lot outside of that Cowboys game. But this could be another game where George Kittle shows up because I don't think the Vikings really have that guy that can stop him. What do you think about George Kittle having a day against the Vikings? you think that's possible? Would you be surprised if I said that George Kittle has better separation per route run? Than Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I didn't know that, but kind of not really because he's such an athlete, and the guys that are guarding him, he's not being you know covered by corners, right? Um, he's being covered yeah. by linebackers and safety, so it doesn't really surprise me. And the fact that he's so wide open, why are we not throwing yeah, I mean, to George Kittle, man? It's it's there, and I think that 
when you look at the separation statistics, they're right next to each other. Debo Samuel actually is number one at 3.1 yards, but it's likely attributed to the fact that where where does he catch the football a lot? Half at the line of scrimmage, half in the intermediate portion, where he's usually open in both categories. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ayuk is at 2.9, and at 3.0 is George Kittle. So, the, you know, regardless, I mean, those are all pretty darn good numbers for separation, but you're right. Kittle, it's an interesting phenomenon where he isn't used as much in other weeks in the passing game, at least when targets are thrown his way. And then certain games he he's able to go up. I mean, we know it's a primetime game this week, so we might see the better side of George Kittle overall. And the 49ers might need it because when I talk about exploiting those linebackers, it might be utilized in the way of, you know, highlighting the tight end. And so I think that you're, you're definitely going to look for different ways to incorporate George Kittle on this primetime game. I do think that, um, you know, I, I do think that this is the part where you gotta you gotta worry about ego and things like that because you're not gonna have enough to feed everybody in a balanced offense, not a pass for stop, well, not a pass happy offense, but a balanced offense which has four elite receivers, right? In McCaffrey, Kittle, Samuel, and Ayuk. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to feed the mounts every single week, and especially when you have a guy who is the number one read, which is Brandon Ayuk. Because the tight end in, in a lot of progressions isn't the number one read, right? It's right. you, you got to go to maybe two or three because it's reading from the outside to the middle of the field and things like that. And so if the number one reads open, the tight end isn't getting the ball. And Ayuk's been open. He's the one getting the majority of the volume and things like that. But I, I do think that this game is going to shake out interestingly. I love your point, though, about the defensive line. They, they're, they're 100% underrated because I think a lot of people point out statistics, right? Statistics, they're not getting enough sacks. Nick Bosa before this game had one sack, right? Javon Hargrave, two sacks, things like that. That didn't matter. The, the 49ers were pressuring at a, an extremely high clip. It's just when you see teams that face the 49ers, they are throwing the ball quickly. They're trying to get rid of the football, and they're trying to, even if the time to throw statistic doesn't uh, you know, tell it, you look at the average distance, it's either one of two things. They're trying to throw the ball dump off, wise throw the ball short or they're just going for the one-on-one go ball hoping to spring something open and usually those fall incomplete the 49ers defensive line has done a great job and this week as well randy gregory was there he he joined the you know joined the bunch he had three pressures and things like that the one thing this year though that you could say a little bit differently is because you have so many good players it's a bigger collective effort from your top players even javon kinlaw has been in there right javon kinlaw has been in there in the pass rushing game and been able to utilize his force to generate pressures you've got five guys with randy gregory that's going to be six guys that have been you know in the fold and consistently getting pressures which means there's not as many pressures going around to other players as well some players set up other players as pressures you know a stunt for nick bosa or for example on randy gregory's sack javon hargrave is the guy who's um, you know, pushing into the B gap, Randy Gregory comes all the way around across the middle for the stunt, but Hargrave was able to push both players, you know, take on both players with the strength, allowing Gregory to go free. It's plays like that where you don't necessarily under, uh, you don't necessarily see what originates. You see the sack and then you point out, oh, Hargrave isn't playing well or Bosa isn't playing well or something like that. I, I do think that when you look at it, the defensive line has been very, very good. And they're still proving why they're the cornerstone of the defense. Yeah, man, it's a lot to – yeah, you just dropped a, a, a lot. Of, I mean, this, let's go back to Gregory. Gregory had three pressures and a sack, but he was only in, in on 30% of the snaps. And that right. was his first game with the 49ers. Gregory was a great pickup for the 49ers. That's one of the positives I walked away from this game. I had a feeling it was going to be the case. And then when I saw him on the field for the 49ers wearing that number five – Trey Lance jersey. <laughs> uh, I thought he played great, man. It, he's a really good pickup. I think he's going to really benefit this team uh, throughout this season. So, yeah, man. And then uh, Alberto Soto says exactly. Purdy and B.A. are going to click with both having bad games. I could see it. I could see it happen. I mean, the thing is, this week, it's probably not going to be CMC. Debo is going to possibly play. Might be playing injured. Who knows if he's 100%. They need, I, in my opinion, they need to rely on Jordan Mason I know they're going to go with Elijah Mitchell. We'll see. I haven't been impressed at all from Elijah Mitchell from what I've seen from him, but maybe the old Elijah Mitchell makes his appearance on Monday night, which would be great because he was fantastic in the past. Uh, but so far in the last you know, preseason and from what I've seen from him, 
uh, wasn't great. Even I think towards the end of last season, wasn't great. Yeah, he's constantly nursing an injury. So I'm hoping Kyle Shannon uh, goes after this. And, you know, if he wants to start Elijah Mitchell because of the history, I, I get it. You know, it is what it is. But I'm hoping it's more of a, a dual attack between Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell. And he just doesn't feed Elijah Mitchell only like he does with CMC. But outside of that, man, outside of the run game, and I hope, like you said earlier, that, that they don't that they stick with the run game and don't abandon it. But outside of that, a banged-up Debo, no CMC. It really needs to be B.A. and George Kittle. Uh, attacking these Vikings, and I think if they if they do it that way, they use Jordan Mason uh, along with Elijah Mitchell, and they get George Kittle involved uh, along with Brandon Ayuk, they're going to be fine. Another guy, Ray Ray, man, I love when Ray Ray gets the ball on offense, and also maybe we'll see a little Ronnie Bell uh, this week would be fantastic. Probably not, but it would be great because I like whenever he shows up. All right, man, last question for you, though. How's this going to play out? I'm not going to give my score prediction. I haven't thought about it enough, and maybe you haven't either, but I'm going to ask you anyways. How do you, If you don't want to give a score prediction, that's fine, but how do you see this game playing out, Rohan? What's your prediction? So this is an interesting one, right, because like you said earlier in the show, the Vikings have done something that they did last year just in a flipped way. They play opponents very close. Last year, though, they won a lot of these one-score games. That's why they were – to uh, you know, such a high regular season standing team, it's similar. It's very similar. Um, you know, they, they've they haven't lost by more than a touchdown, and so you're wondering, will this be more than a two score or one score game? This one, and this is a, a question where I don't really know. The 49ers match up well on paper with the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings aren't also, you know, they they're a team that plays this year. It seems like they're playing tougher than their roster might show. And it attributes to the leaders and the guys on the team. But without Justin Jefferson, I don't know how much this offense is going to be able to kick off. They only scored 19 points against a lackluster Bears defense last year, which is improving. But still, uh, you know, or last week, they, they didn't play that well. You know, they only averaged two yards a carry. that, uh, And then they threw for 180 yards in, uh, in the air. I don't know if they're going to be able to do much unless they win the turnover battle because – I mean, Chicago had three turnovers in that game. That's how some of those short field situations ended up transpiring and Minnesota scored. I don't see three turnovers for Brock Purdy or for the 49ers offense overall. And that's why I don't see enough scoring opportunities for Minnesota in this one. And then we talked about Minnesota's defense. They want to try and pressure Brock Purdy and things like that. Um, I mean, they like to pressure. But it's just this might be a game like where you, you're just putting the ball in your you know your playmakers' hands and going to work there. Have Kyle dial up some easy easier th- um, easier throws. Have Kyle dial up you know some 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 plays where you can get Brock Purdy back into rhythm. And even without McCaffrey, get the run game churning. You can have a balanced approach here and um, stretch Minnesota out with the passing game. So I, I do think that they score enough points. Will they go back to that thirty ball? We'll see. It depends on how much the offense can truly rebound, how much can Purdy shake off his past past performance. But I do think that they are going to hold Minnesota defensively to a fairly low outcome. So that's why I think I think they hold Minnesota un, under 20 points, maybe even under 17 points. And I do think they're going to score somewhere in the 20s, um, maybe maybe 30 points on the dot, but somewhere in the 20s for a win. Yeah, I, I definitely have the 49ers winning this game for sure. The score I'm going to have to think about, maybe I'll talk about it tomorrow. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., Lucy Vish is on the channel. Uh, I'm not sure if he's not. I think he might be out of town this week, but I think I might have Marco Martinez and somebody else coming on. I got to check my schedule. Just, I don't know if you know, Rohan, but I'm on like two and a half hours sleep. I talked about it before you got here. Uh, so uh, okay. if, if, my, if my brain is not working correctly, I have a valid excuse today. Uh, all the other days are not really a good excuse, but today I got one. Um, so tomorrow I'll think of a score for you guys. I'll give you a full prediction like I normally do towards the end of the week. Uh, Rohan, what do you got going on the rest of this week? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, Friday, we'll be on a show with Ashley Ariana on her channel. So check that out. Um, probably we'll see if we do a post game show or something like that, but I am also traveling this week. Um, going over to Chicago, um, to cover a college football game um, on the road. So, again, going to be doing that for the weekend and then coming back over here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we got Saturday football for me, Sunday Niners football for me. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun weekend and uh, going to definitely have some content out on Niners Nation. 
Well, uh, make sure you guys are all subscribed to Rohan. If you're not, details in the description on how to do that. I tell you guys what, uh, last week I tried to give away something if somebody nailed the score for the game and nobody did. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity today on this video, and I'll probably do it again tomorrow. Uh, but in the comments, predict the score and the final outcome for the 49ers-Vikings game. If you get it right, I'll give you something. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not giving away a full jersey for that. We'll save that to when we hit 6K, but I'll give away something to you guys if you predict the score correctly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Make sure you do it in the comments, though, after the video's over and not the chat. Rohan, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you. Good to have you on, as always, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Talk to you guys tomorrow, 9 a.m. Be here. Be here or be square. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.